the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Common ground for the first-time investor and the lifelong trader. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. U.S. troops in Kabul standing guard as the U.S. speeds up evacuation flights for American diplomats and thousands of Afghanistans. And Georgetown professor Paul Miller, who was the National Security Council's Afghanistan director, says President Biden's withdrawal decision simply pulls the rug right out from underneath Afghan forces. He, I think, delivered a crippling morale blow to the Afghan army, and they no longer believed they had the resources they needed to win. So so if that's true, then why fight? And uh, that has led to a cascading effect where the Afghan army is not fighting and the Taliban are winning. Northern California wildfire heading toward a small lumber town as the West strains resources and threatens thousands of homes. Crews are fighting to protect the town of Westwood in the northern Sierra Nevada. This is SRN News. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 500 8384. ReliefFactor.com. 20% of the population has some degree of hearing loss. Encourage business owners and staff to keep the captions on their TVs turned on and accessible to all patrons. Captions also help children with reading and adults learning English as a second language. Not sure how to turn them on? Find the button with the two C's on the remote or go to the menu button. Paid for by the Minnesota Commission of the Deaf, Deafblind, and Hard of Hearing, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. This hour, I've got two topics for you. One of them, one of them, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit, is what on earth is this infrastructure thing all about? And what do we do with it? 
I want to talk about it. This has been sort of a, as we're getting ready for the reopening of the university here this coming week, uh, uh, just for, for our regular fall semester, our faculty back on Tuesday here on campus. I'll, so my hallways right outside my office here from where I'm talking to you um, will be fuller. Indeed, I see a few more cars in the parking lot this morning as faculty begin to come back. One of the things that's really interesting about this this COVID year that we're a year and a half we've gone through is in many cases, um, faculty needed to have and some of our staff needed to have equipment to do remote to do remote work and that equipment is now coming back to campus so we you know you know what's in real short supply it people to help put that stuff back in place get all the software updated because sometimes when our when our folks have them have them at home they don't update their software often enough and so we'll need to get all their software updated and all the security settings, uh, you know, set to uh, stop whatever the the last Russian invasion was. The next one will be different, I guess. Uh, but the nonetheless, the uh, the uh, the it's an example of the kinds of shocks that are happening right now. Um, the, what I want to talk about first this hour, though, is is actually what I think has been sort of a unified set of messages coming from in particular all of the presidents of the various federal reserves um in uh, around the country and that message is we're going to start tapering they've whatever the market is and i could go through an entire list we had in fact let me let me just run through the list that i had on my on 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 my sheet on Monday, you had uh, uh, Atlanta F- President uh, Raphael Bostic uh, and Tom Barkin from the Richmond Fed. On Tuesday, Loretta Mester at, from the Cleveland Fed. Uh, there was a National Association of Business Economists um, virtual meeting about economic statistics, and many of them were speaking at that event. Uh, um, Esther George from the Kansas City Fed on Wednesday uh, was out there as well. But I don't think any of them quite how and i'll read you some of what they said but i don't think any of them quite had the impact nor the forthrightness as did uh, robert kaplan from the dallas fed he did an interview he wasn't speaking at any major event so they got him on to uh see i think he wanted to get his voice out there too so uh he called his uh friends at or someone called his friends at cnbc and steve leesman um, went ahead and interviewed him, uh, and he was, uh, I think, fairly uh, clear about what what he had in mind. So first, he says this. This is about uh, this is in relation to what we just did in the last hour. And if you're just listening, starting to listen to us now, you go to TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Be member, be a member of the VIP club, because when you're a member of the VIP club, you can download all of our previous shows going back for a long long time i've been doing this thing since 2009 and so and i don't know that you can get all the way back to 2009 but you can get years worth of past episodes of the king banyan show there so if you want to hear me be be spectacularly wrong there's lots of opportunities in the archive for you uh but but Mr. Kaplan, President Kaplan from the Dallas Fed, comes on and says this about the inflation that we've been talking about this last hour. Cut number one. The the outlook, uh, the CPI number today was probably consistent with our outlook, which uh, we're still expecting a year-end PCE to be in the year about 3.8%. We're expecting some of these extreme moves, uh, used cars, other items to moderate but we're still expecting a broadening of inflation pressures heading into next year. And our forecast for PC inflation next year is in the neighborhood of two and a half percent. So so he's in a camp that I think is agreed to by the White House and by when we played it in the last hour, um, uh, Lindsey Pegg from Stifle, uh, that that. Yeah, we we got inflation. Inflation's going to back off over the next. Uh, that inflation's going to back off over the next uh, 
few few months or so. Um, so he's pretty clear on it, and then he he's speaks a little bit more, and they're asking him, so what's going on with Taper? And so he's just put point blank by Leesman, so what are your views on Taper? And here's the one where I'm like, wow, he did not hold back on this at all. Go ahead and go ahead and play cut number two, please. It would be my view that if the economy unfolds uh, between now and our September meeting, if it unfolds the way I expect, uh, I would be in favor of announcing a plan at the September meeting and beginning tapering in October. Esther George at uh, a conference uh, at, at uh, NABE, or National Association of Business Economists, um, she says um, she says in her speech, and this would have been which page? At the end of her speech, she says, while recognizing that special factors account for much of the current spike in inflation, the expectation of continued strong demand, a recovering labor market, and firm inflation expectations are consistent, in my view, with the committee's guidance regarding substantial further progress toward its objectives. I support bringing asset purchases to an end under these conditions. She's very clear on that. Um, in an interview with the Associated Press, Jim Bullard uh, says, says, says uh, when talking about it, the economy is making sufficient progress to start reducing or tapering the Fed's $120 billion in monthly bond purchases. This is by, uh, by uh, uh, Chris Rugaber at, uh, at the AP. Um, those purchases, which began last March during the pandemic recession, are intended to lower long-term interest rates bolster the economy. Quote, it's not clear to me we're do- really doing anything useful here. Um, he said. So in the Q&A, um, uh, he's asked, he, he's asked, you know, regarding the Delta variant, now I, I'll, I'll tweet this to you at the break using the hashtag pound KBRS. The, 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 the pieces here, the economy has already produced 16, has already, has already had probably 16 months to adjust for the pandemic. And what we have found is that firms are able to produce, households are able to consume and save, people are able to work. There are ways to run the economy even while the pandemic's going on. I think the committee should just go ahead and make a decision in December because I don't think the asset purchases part of the policy is dependent on the Delta variant. The interest rate part of the policy, adjustments there are farther off in the future. You could delay that if this really turned into a major setback. So very 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 clear he does not support the uh, that that that's bullard that's george that's kaplan turn them off turn them off turn them off kaplan goes further when because because i you could see okay so they'd had the split screen so here's kaplan talking and here's leesman and uh not a poker player Leesman's eyes get pretty big when Kaplan says, well, you know, just, you know what, just play it one more time. You can't be any more firm than this. Cut number two, one more time. It would be my view that if the economy unfolds uh, between now and our September meeting, if it unfolds the way I expect, uh, I would be in favor of announcing a plan at the September meeting and beginning tapering in October. That's as specific as you can get. I think Bullard's been consistent. He'd start tapering in September. I don't think he wants. I think he believes they've signaled enough. They can just go ahead and do it. I don't think he's going to win that because I think uh, I think uh, President Bullard is on the on the very hawk end of the of the of the. He and Esther George both, I think, represent the hawk end of the uh, of the spectrum. It's always been the case that uh, the center of the country, uh, not including Minneapolis. Dallas, Kansas City, St. Louis have always been sort of the, you know, inflation's really important part of the uh, of the Federal Reserve presidents, and the ones that are in New York and Boston and San Francisco have typically been the more in Chicago have typically been the more dovish places on inflation. It is amazing that 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 it hangs on regardless of the presidency. 
some of them moved. Minneapolis has moved to some extent, but not a lot. I don't think actually. I think I, I don't think there's been a major change there, but I do believe that you will see uh, you will see at the September meeting at least a statement. I actually think Kaplan's probably right there on the center of this. Um, I'm gonna let's let you know what let's take the break here. I want to continue, but the next piece will take me too long to do now. We'll be right back after this. More with uh, more from uh, Robert Kaplan and the Dallas Fed as we think about. What's happening with Taper? Because they made news this week. They're making noise. Taper's coming sooner rather than later. King Bang and Show The Biz, 1440. Over zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple too. Listen to the Biz 1440 on the free radio.com app. Meet Tim. Hey, what's up? He's the person you hired for your digital marketing strategy. And when he's done battling aliens on his PS5 in his parents' basement, I'm sure he'll get right to work. Now, meet the team at Salem Surround. What's Over 200 digital media strategists with all the current digital tools, resources, and training bringing your business the real results you need. These are the people who are passionate about your marketing success and will work 24-7 to deliver customers to you and your business. So, Tim. Yes, level 12. I'm going to be here all night. Or the team at Salem Surround. Why trust your digital marketing to one person when you can hire a whole team? nationwide exposure experience and expertise let our team of experts focus on your digital marketing strategy so you can focus on your business it's an easy decision to learn more about salem surround call 651-289-4418 651-289-4418 how do you define strength is it physical hot, hot. or is it mental Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Business 1440 and iHeartRadio, they go together like pennies and pinching. Listen anytime, anywhere at iHeart.com or with a free iHeartRadio mobile app. To smoke or to grill? To smoke or to grill? What you doing, eh? I'm deciding what to cook on my new Louisiana grill. Oh, by tossing smoker pellets into pails? Yeah, you see, my new Louisiana pellet grill from Premier Pool and Spa is both a grill and a smoker. I've labeled one pail smoke and the other one grill. So whichever pail has more pellets is what you'll do? you catch on fast. Oh, what if there's a tie? Easy, then I'll do both. I'll smoke the back bacon till it's tender and juicy, and then I'll crank up the grill and finish it off. Oh, you thought of everything, eh? No, but Premier Pool and Spa has. Till the end of August, get a free 40-pound bag of pellets with your Louisiana Grill purchase. And if you buy one of the top-of-the-line models, you'll also get free bucket liners and a fancy grill cover. Can I toss some of those pellets, too? Nah, you can't hit the broadside of a barn. Just read this. All right. Get your own Made in America Louisiana Grill, plus extra goodies at Premier Pool and Chanessa today. Louisiana Grills, you deserve it. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take grilling seriously. PremierPools.com. Welcome back. Ah, oh, gotta let that run for a minute. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Ah, such good stuff. We have shown you how to put the playlist on Spotify, right, Sean? Yeah, I can do that. All right. All right, because this one I th- this one I might be playing as I uh, tool around the car after lunch. <laughs> um, getting is, a little carried away here. Uh, thanks for letting me play yeah, around. Yeah, no, no, I, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Uh, I want to hear the rest of the songs. Uh, by the way, while I'm uh, 
while I'm doing this, I'm also chatting with people in uh, England where it's a rainy day today, but uh, but uh, getting a, getting a, getting some information about uh, about uh, what's happening with COVID over there as well. And uh, maybe I'll read a little bit of that chat to you later. But I want to stay on this topic for the, for the time being. Um, so, as I indicated, it didn't matter. Bark and Bostic, George uh, uh, Bullard, and Kaplan all getting on the bandwagon to say we think and even mary daly i need to go i need to go find my mary daly post but i I, but i i actually spotted a mary daly saying something although she's closer to the end of the year she was quoted in a interview with uh, the financial times but she was also at the uh she was also at the nabe conference although she didn't have a speaking she didn't have a speech to give at it but she said uh she said, talking about potentially tapering those later this year, early next year is where I'm at. And I tweeted that to you at Pound KBRS, but this was also at the at the meeting on uh, Wednesday. Um, uh, I will say, I don't think the Delta variant has taken much of a, um, I don't think the Delta variant has, has actually taken much uh, off of the their belief that the uh, that the quantitative easing needs to come to an end. And again, I I, I agree. I, but uh, I don't need to I don't need to say it. Maybe what we need to do is we need to have uh, President Kaplan say it. Let's go ahead and have him do that. Cut number three, please, Sean. I would say there's a range of views, uh, and uh, the the main thing I've emphasized uh, whether whether we announce it in September or whether we announce it November 1st, uh, I think there's a range of views. I, I, I just think the committee is in a much better place than we were two months ago and that we'll debate, we'll disagree, we'll have to see how the economy unfolds. But the reason I'm saying we ought to begin the tapering soon is uh, I think these purchases are very well equipped to stimulate demand. But we don't have a demand problem in the economy. We've got plenty of demand. Our issue is supply. And these purchases are not very well equipped to deal with that issue. I, I wanted to hug him. I mean, uh, that, that's my view in a nutshell. I, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but it, it bears repeating. It's... It, Every uh, academic probably has the one paper that they never got published that they think themselves that was a that was an injustice. We should have gotten that paper published. They should have taken it. And the one, the one that I that that for me uh, I co-authored with uh, my old dissertation advisor uh, 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 Tom Willett uh, from Claremont, and. Tom and I wrote a paper talking about the, the difference between, and it relates to what I talked about in the last hour with impulse and propagation. There are initiating, there are initiating mechanisms for an inflation. And then there are sustaining mechanisms for inflation. When people quote to me, and I, I, I'm sure I'm going to have a, a listener to respond to me at Pound KBRS on this, when people tell me, you know, inflation is everywhere and always monetary phenomenon, trying to quote Milton Friedman and say, therefore, don't, if there's no money supply, doesn't ha- it, there'll be no inflation. My answer to them is always, is always, let's let's explore what you mean by that. I don't believe. Okay, I am a monetarist to the extent that I do not believe an inflation can endure can continue without expansion of the money supply. Um, I don't, so if you are a, um, if you are a monetarist, then you believe that would, that, that is what happens. But you could be a monetarist without believing that the only thing that can start or initiate an inflation is a growth in the money supply. The growth in the money supply, um, I don't think, is the cause of the inflation we're experiencing. Not at this moment. If we don't turn the spigot off, I believe we will continue to get sustained inflation into 22, 23, and 24. 
That is the reason why I think the asset purchases have to stop, because the asset purchases mean an expansion of the central bank's balance sheet, the addition of high-powered money to the system. I'm more concerned right now about getting that stopped and seeing that balance sheet stabilize so that it doesn't grow anymore than I am about raising interest rates. Because my theory of the inflation case is you can't have it continue to, you won't have it continue to expand as, if that expansion stops and the money supply stops growing, then the only source of inflation from that point forward will be when the velocity of money starts to pick up again and people start demanding as many dollar bills in their hands. There can be too much money chasing too few goods, which is a definition of inflation, right? Uh, There can be too much money chasing too few goods because the Fed's sending too much money into the system. Or there can be too much money chasing too few goods because people just don't want to hold so much money and so they buy goods with it. So you might be sitting on precautionary balances. You might have money in a in a under the under the mattress, let's say, that you saved because you were not sure that during the during another wave of the pandemic you might not need that cash to keep the family going. You you might be like, well, I'm I, the banks might be closed, so I need a few hundred extra bucks. So I have some balances on, on hand at the house. At some point, we're going to stop. We're going to we're going to go back to the pre-pandemic level of that, and the velocity of money has dropped dramatically. Meaning, people are willing to hold more more of their assets in money form than they had in the past. So that it that happens, um, and that that ha- that can happen. But we know that inflation will almost certainly continue as long as the Fed continues to pass out more and more bits of money. And we can talk about, yeah, well, they're holding excess reserves, the Fed's paying interest on those reserves, the money supply itself isn't really going, don't stop worrying about, about high-powered money or monetary base. I, I, I understand that argument. I think that's, you want to know what I think is transitory? I think that's transitory. I don't think that I, I think at some point that money has to either that either that money comes back into the system and causes some higher inflation down the road, or the Fed does what it did back in 2015, 16, and 17, and start to pull back some of that some of that money that it's let into the system, some of that some of that quantitative easing. It reverses some of that. It reversed almost a trillion dollars. Took took us from a, almost four and a half trillion down to about three. Well, didn't get all the way to three and a half, but it got to about three seven. So they got more than twenty percent. They got well, not not maybe all twenty percent, but they got a fair amount of the money out of the system, which is why I think the economy didn't grow very fast in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, despite despite the significant tax cuts and regulatory changes that happened at that time. I think the Fed. I think the Fed may have kept the kept the the economy a little bit tight. I was always I always understood while I didn't agree with the, with the uh, Trump White House crabbing at uh, Yellen and then uh, and then Powell about about tight money I understood I, I thought it was necessary to get to get some of that liquidity out of the system I understood their point it probably did slow down the growth of the economy at that time I just don't, I just say yeah that's true but some of that growth we got in 2014 2015 2016 could cause inflation down the road if the Fed doesn't do what it's doing right now. It will have to do that on a bigger scale because it expanded the money supply on a bigger scale. And we'll have to do that sometime in the... You'll have to do that sometime, I think, if not in 22, certainly in 23. And that's why I wonder, maybe the interest rate doesn't move. Maybe what they do is go from going from 120 a month to zero... And maybe they do minus 40 or minus 50 a month to try to take some of that, li- that excess liquidity out of the system. I still think that could still happen. Still happen. Kaplan makes one last point on, on, in his interview, with, and this is actually with, with uh, a different host, but, 
but on the same interview, he says this. Cut number four, please. Yeah, I, I do think the bond market is looking through these these high inflation prints, and they're they're expecting the Fed to uh, do what it needs to do to anchor inflation at two percent. Uh, in addition, uh, there is a enormous amount of liquidity globally and in the United States. We're an aging society. There's an enormous amount of money in pension funds, and there's a very strong bid for the 10-year Treasury. And in addition, after we get over the horizon from this rebound from the pandemic, uh, workforce growth is decelerating in the United States due to aging. Productivity doesn't appear to be strong enough to offset it. Uh, and if that's true, out-year growth looks sluggish, not just in the United States, but globally. And so I think all those factors are feeding in to where you see the 10-year Treasury. So he's not using the interest rate to determine what's going on with the money going on with the money supply right now. I think they are clearly focused on on decreasing the using long run rates as a signal. I think they truly are simply focused on the unemployment rate, the inflation rate. And and, and I actually don't blame them on that. Um, I think uh, President Kaplan has made a pretty convincing argument and. I hope he prevails, and I hope I, I hope to see. I hope, and I'm hoping that maybe even as early as the uh, Jackson Hole conference, we see some signals coming out of there that that uh, they are approaching a, a, a taper here pretty soon. We'll be back after this. You are listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Let's be boring and do a commercial about cash out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years, while rates have come so far down, We've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment, and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnalystConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Analyst Number 1330. Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com HR. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com HR. That's bamboohr.com HR. Hey, this is Tim O from the Kingdom Builders Roofers. We get a lot of calls from folks that have an insurance claim for damage to the roof and gutters. Insurance claim paperwork can be confusing and overwhelming at times. Some people have even thought that that initial check they get from their insurance company is all that they have to work with for the repairs. That's not always the case. We work with insurance companies all the time and often have to be an advocate for our customers with the big insurance companies. We're happy to help out in this area and take the time to walk you through all the paperwork. Sometimes homeowners that have a damage claim in hand and then try to find the lowest bid on the repairs are actually sacrificing critical value available to them through their own claim. If you want an honest and clear review of your claim or a no-pressure inspection of your roof or gutters, give us a call at 612-900-9166. That's 612-900-9166. Or find us on the web 
at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. Welcome back, King Banging Show, The Biz 1440. So much to keep track of here. So much. Uh, 651-289-4477, the number to call with your questions, comments, King Banging Show, The Biz 1440. Super pleased to be talking with you, and uh, and we've been reviewing the taper now I want to turn my attention to something else. And uh, let me, let me, let me, uh, actually, someone handed me a nice transition. Uh, I, uh, I think Ken, well, Ken's been talking too, but I actually am going to use Don's comment for my transition. Don's comment are, is, aren't fiscal and monetary policies heading in the opposite directions? Shouldn't the Fed be advising Biden to take his foot out of the economic radiator? Um, okay, I got it now. He's got his foot through the floor, I guess is the point Don's trying to make. I wasn't sure what the last word was about, but got it, got it. Uh, the, I think the answer to that, Don, is that, first of all, the, the history of the Federal Reserve is that it tries not to tell the, tell Congress or the White House too, too much regarding fiscal policy. If I think about the history of the Fed, until Greenspan, that pretty much was a rule. You just didn't speak in public about fiscal policy. Greenspan in the, in the, in the 2000s, later Greenspan, bucked, um, bucked uh, uh, George W. Bush a little bit by suggesting that the deficits that were being created from some of the spending that happened in the early 2000s was um, perhaps not very helpful. He would say a couple things about it, but Greenspan generally was pretty tame. It was really only when Bernanke and and Hank Paulson, then the Treasury Secretary, went together to seek the top. Included, by the way, the permissions through which quantitative reserves and all that stuff sort of happened. That was all on Bernanke's watch. Um, they kind of got together on uh, on that. But that said, I think we should separate, as I think about the, uh, the foot through the economic radiator. If I think about what the Fed is doing in terms, what, what, what Congress is doing regarding the two, the two bills, and I, I'm not going to refer to the, the the monster, the three and a half trillion dollar bill, as an as a human infrastructure bill. That's that, frankly, is just a joke. Um, um, the um, so we'll take so the, the let me take the other bill though, the one that passed this week. With 19 Republicans voting for it, all the Democrats voted for it, even even Bernie Sanders, who clearly would like to pass a a budget that included six trillion in spending rather than the three and a half that's in that's in the current one. So I'm not going to call the bill that's out there the bill that's out there and and a an infrastructure bill that that one is is just it's a budget. And they passed their budget, and and now they're going to haggle over whether or not they can get 50 votes plus then Vi- Vice President Harris to break the tie in order to uh, to spend that much money. And both uh, and two Democrat senators, uh, Senator Cinema and Senator Manchin, have said uh, probably not, probably not going to, probably not going to vote for all that. That said, I'd like to spend most of my time talking about the infrastructure, about the bill, that the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and I'll leave it at that. And there are a lot of people who have thrown, who have cast a lot of shade 
on that bill. So what I would like to talk about instead is what does it mean to have infrastructure and what do we mean by infrastructure? And so I tweeted some of this to you this earlier this morning, and I'm I'm gonna and I'm gonna talk about a couple papers that I've read uh, over the last few uh, over the last few uh, uh, days that I thought were important. The first one, the first one at which I which I sent out uh, this morning. It was by Pierre Lemire, who writes at uh, the uh, the Library of Economics and Liberty, econlib.org. Um, and he wrote a piece uh, some time ago titled, What is Infrastructure? Uh, uh, last week. And I think this is fairly important. What do we mean when we talk about infrastructure? Okay. So the standard definition. So the standard definition of in, uh, from infrastructure from the new Palgrave Dictionary of Economics, where I've actually written an entry for them about something completely unrelated, but this is in there. Teresa Garcia Mia and uh, Therese McGuire um, define infrastructure as the stock of publicly provided physical capital, comprising highways, sewage and sanitation systems water systems, school buildings, hospitals, and so forth. If you ask an economist, what is infrastructure, that's the answer that we would give you. That's the one that appears in something we call our Dictionary of Economics. And I and, and the Palgrave Dictionary is considered kind of a, a very standard uh, reference book in our field. Um. Sometimes they try, some people try to put more limits on it, that, that it's only public goods that are considered infrastructure. Okay, hospitals aren't necessarily public goods because we can exclude you from the use of the hospital, but hospitals are infrastructure. I think to some extent a university is infrastructure, even though we can have public universities and private universities. What makes them infrastructure? The fact that once you've built that, that, that asset, and it's a piece of capital, once you've be, built that piece of capital, it generates benefits which we can't exclude the benefits of that propagate throughout society and make society somewhat better. So Pierre writes, okay, others would insist that network effects are a necessary feature of infrastructure. For example... The longer the internet penetration, the more useful it is. Um, but that's the way we that that's that's the way we view it, okay? The way we try to view it. And the issue is, if I build a piece of capital, what is the return we get on it? If I decide to build myself a new house, my my wife and I were out. Uh, out uh, in 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 the area, and we drove by a new development. I know the builder, uh, and and I like the work he does. And I saw, it's like, oh, what's he building out here? I didn't know he was building anything out here. And we looked and saw some some of the houses that have already gone up in the development. There are some empty lots out there, and said, well, this is pretty nice. It's near a golf course. It's uh, it's got a pond. Hmm, that's pretty nice. So what would I do? I would buy that house, and then that house would generate a benefit to me over a long period of time. If I wanted to buy from you, if, if I wanted to build a wanted to build new cars, there are machines that I would buy from you that would generate benefits to me for a long time because they would make it easier for me to build cars. I love a story that I, it's probably less relevant now, but, but in, in the old days, I used to talk about the fact that there were two major places where you could produce, um, and I'm going to use the politically incorrect term for, term for them, manhole com- covers. Covers in the streets for servicing underground, uh, servicing an underground channel that where you might have uh, sewer, where you might have, uh, 
You might have some wiring or so forth. It's, it's the runoff that goes down to the river, all that stuff, right? You've got covers on them. There were two places that built them, that built those covers. One of them was in India, and one of them was in Michigan. In Michigan, the mix of capital to labor was far more heavily put to capital. You, built, you had a lot of machines that helped create the covers, and if you've ever looked at them, they're kind of like a collector's item. You look at a you look at a manhole cover, and they're frequently stamped, giving you some idea of when this was built, what city you're in, some some other thing to sort of commemorate where you where you're at. Well, they do the same thing in India. Okay, um, uh, the the. Um, the use of the use in India of is very light on capital, very heavy on labor. Why? Because labor is far cheaper in India than it is in Michigan. So two ways to produce something, one with more capital, one with less capital. In the United States, its infrastructure is a decision that gets made by both private actors and public actors over whether or not we should have machinery, better roads, and the public sector buy things versus having the private sector buy things. Okay. And the question in this is, what is the return on that? And I'm going to give you the answer to that. What is the return on infrastructure? Because that's really at the key of what we're talking about with this, with this particular bill. What are we going to get for this infrastructure? We'll be back after this. You're talking about the King, talking, you're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Hi, John Wichko here, owner of Advantage Auto Glass. I'd like to talk local, Minnesota local. I was born and raised right here in Rosemount and have spent my entire life in Minnesota. I'm proud that we're a local family-owned company. It really frosts me when national glass companies based in other states and owned by a foreign conglomerate try to say they're local. Advantage Auto Glass has been local, Minnesota local for over 20 years. We'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives and we'll fix your chipped or cracked windshield right the first time. Advantage Auto Glass has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and we're a preferred shop for all major insurance companies. If you call your agent or claims line first, make sure to tell them you want to work with Advantage Auto Glass, your real local, Minnesota local installer, and no one else. Or you can schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. That's ReplaceMyWindshield.com. If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress. It's on the air now. AM 1280 The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at am1280thepatriot.com. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-860-4610. 800-860-4610. 
That's 800-860-4614. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to the Biz 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. The best thing in life is free. Oh, you can give it to the birds and bees. I want some money. All right. I want some money. Yeah. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Glad you could be with us today, this hour. We've done uh, what's going on with the taper, and now we're talking about the infrastructure bill. And to sort of emphasize this point, Tyler Goodspeed, who was uh, the acting chair for the Council of Economic Advisors under President Trump, um, was actually saying something about um, the infrastructure bill. On the, he, he was on Fox Business with uh, Mornings with Maria and had this to say, cut number eight, please pressure. Uh, look, the average rate of return on a dollar in federal infrastructure investment is about 5%. So even a $1 trillion bill is going to raise the potential output by, by $50 billion. In a $22 trillion economy, that's a 0.2% boost. <laughs> that little huh at the end made it sound, I, I you know, both uh, Sean and I listen to it, it's like, what's is he laughing that that's too small? Because that really isn't very that that really isn't a small change. That one of the things that I always my students to think about in uh, their first principles class is why did, why would I ever care about a two tenths or a three tenths percent increase in 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 GDP growth? Well, the answer to that is that over time that number matters, and the way we do way I do that with them is to take the rule of 70, okay, which is an approximation. It says if you take the growth rate of any number and you divide that into 70, the result is the, the, result is the uh, number of years it takes for whatever it is you're measuring to double in size. So suppose I took the standard of living and I said how fast, how long would it take for the, for the standard of living to double in the economy. I would take the amount of GDP per person, estimate its growth rate as a percentage, and divide that into 70. So if it's growing 1% a year, then I would say, well, every 70 years, the standard of living in this economy doubles. And I have to correct for inflation and some other things, but but if I if after that correction I came out with 1%, that's fine. Well, what happens if that number is 1.2? rather than rather than 1.0 well that increase is a 20 percent increase and it leads to approximately a 20 percent it leads to if i take the 1.2 and divide that into 70 now i'm going to end up with a doubling of the uh, standard of living in less than 60 years well that's better than 70 it means that our living standards grow faster, and those small changes actually do have, through what we used to call the miracle, the miracle of compound interest, they actually grows at a pretty at a pretty significant rate. So I don't think we should be dissing a two tenths of a percent change in 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 G, two tenths percent change in the growth rate of GDP because that generates that number every year it's not like i get 50 50 billion dollars one time for a trillion and then that's it it goes away that's 50 billion dollars every year so and by the way i don't know that 50 billion is the right number it could be 60 it could be 40 and i think that's really more of what we what we believe is the issue here it isn't that if we were able to find the right infrastructure to invest in, I think most of us would, end, and, and it turned out that it had a two, three, or four-tenths of a 1% change in the long-run growth rate of GDP, we'd probably invest a trillion dollars in that. However, the question is always, well, where are they spending the money? What is it going to? Is it going to truly to roads and bridges? Is it going to 
to, you know, we're talking about broadband access and increasing rural broadband. I believe that rural broadband needs to be expanded. I'd like to see people in rural America have the same access to broadband that we have. The problem is it's expensive because there are significant network economies. And, uh, okay, and you're trying to spread the cost of broadband to a smaller group of people. They all each have to pay more. Should we ask people in cities to pay for better Internet access that, than the private sector would provide in the countryside? I don't know. My, my answer to them is always, well, if you don't, there's a greater likelihood that more of them will move into your city. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because you might say, well, great, they'll pay more taxes, but it also means your roads are more crowded. It also means your schools are more crowded. It also means the cost of, your, the, the cost of housing goes up, you know. You have a lot of trade-offs to engage in with that. So my point on infrastructure is always, what's the return on the investment? You should think of infrastructure as being capital. Don't think of it purely as being built by the public, being built, you can think of maybe as being built with public dollars, but private dollars build infrastructure too. When the local nonprofit hospital adds a new wing to, to its hospital, it is adding to the infrastructure of your area. When your local private university decides to invest in a new physics lab, that's adding to the infrastructure. What's the return on that? And those things have to be measured out fairly easy, fairly carefully. I see numbers that, 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 are, that are astronomically large, and I see numbers that are incredibly small. But getting the number right is important. And if people like like uh, Mr. Goodspeed are are right that it's a five percent return, well, ask yourself, where are the other places in this economy where you can get a five percent return on your investment? In the private sector, there are some places, but not a whole lot. I wouldn't sneeze at. So my point is, I wouldn't sneeze at 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 a fifty billion dollar per year return on a trillion dollar investment, even if it's the government that does it. Because that still means better living standards for people in the future. Okay? The question is whether or not that number's right. And we're not so sure of that. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Sean, for the music. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, and uh, see you soon here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Hey there. Remember me? I'm Tasha with Forever Cleaning. Here to ask. Aren't you tired of cleaning your office? Did you know that when you do it yourself, you are taking precious time away from doing all the things you really enjoy? Like spending time with the family, or spending the day doing absolutely nothing at all. Or better yet, taking advantage of that fishing license you keep buying every year but never seem to find the time to use. Imagine this. You getting your hooks wet, catching some dinner, and leaving the cleaning to us. Forever Cleaning aims to provide top quality service that includes trash removal, break room, bathroom disinfecting, dusting, mopping, and more. So what are you waiting for? Call us today at 763-807-9817 to schedule your walkthrough or visit forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. And if you mention this ad, you'll receive 15% off your first three months of service. So remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems a boot. Arby's Computer Service. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? 
Yep, I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.